Welcome everyone to the Knights of the Smith Dinner Table actual play production of my homebrew, uh, Quest of the Stone and Stars, which is going to be a dual system game ran through Pathfinder 2nd Edition and Starfinder. With us tonight, we've got our cast. We've got some familiar voices with James and Dustin. If you've listened to our Tuesday pro program, uh, Legend of the Ramblehound Saints, you'll recognize their voices. And we've got two new voices for Tuesdays. We've got Danny and Cece joining us. Everybody say hi. Hello. 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 Howdy, howdy. Do you hear the enthusiasm in a couple of their voices? That's because I'm running this game, and I'm a terrible person, and they're aware of this. So, without the further ado, I think we're going to just dive right into the story. No, you guys aren't going to get any uh, notice of who they're playing or what they're playing, because they don't really know who everybody else is and what they're doing there. So the scene opens outside Janderhof. And Janderhof, for those who don't know, is a dwarven sky citadel, and a settlement in southeastern Varesia's Mindspin Mountains, a bit north of Corvosa and south of the Cinderlands. It's a big trading partner and competitor of Corvosa, and the largest dwarven stronghold in the area of Varesia. And we open into a view of giant iron walls, like giant metal curtains surrounding one of Glorian's few ancient wonders, the Sky Citadel. It's a testament to the ancient skill of dwarven engineers who sought the sun in the Age of Darkness during the quest for Sky. Approaching them, along with the myriad of merchants, travelers, and others who have come to Yanderhof, or Janderhof, I forget which way it's supposed to be pronounced, I've listened to too much um, other podcasts where they call it Yanderhof, so forgive me if I keep messing that up, is a middle-aged man looking once again at the sight he hasn't seen since he was just a child. Unlike most things that seem smaller when revisited when older, the massive feel of the wall still inspires the same amount of awe as it had in youth. So what does Professor Walter Fenswick think about seeing this site again for the first time after so many years? It's just like it was when I left. Not much has changed, little odds and ends. But such a beautiful town. City, citadel. Dwarves I mean, are quite crafty. They can be. Now, since this is an audio-only show, why don't you uh, let the people know what Professor Walter Fenswick looks like. Uh, Professor Walter Fenswick, um, he is a thinner build, a little taller, six foot uh, human. Um, has some, a little bit of gray poking through, is mostly brown uh, hair. Uh, has some thick mutton chops um, that took years of stress and anxiety to build. Um, but he, uh, wears a, not, not necessarily fine clothing, but definitely, uh, takes care of, uh, his appearance and, uh, seems to put some sort of effort into, uh, looking the part, um, and maintaining some sort of, a astute look. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, about 55, um, and just a, a, a friendly guy, an approachable person. Now past the Iron Curtain, the sights change to giant carved stone reliefs of dwarves, stories tall in full regalia. The Hammer of Torag is showing prominently on the shields. The stonework is so detailed you could stop and count the hairs on a beard if you were so inclined. Among this throng, taking it all in with eyes more used to delicate lines, art that enhances the medium rather than tame it. An elf, which is a very uncommon sight here, these statues might be to her. How's... I don't even... I didn't even ask you how you pronounce your character's name, Danny. I have been going with Amaril Elmar. Amaril, okay. That's what I wanted to, but I didn't want to, like, botch it the very first time I said it. So, 
Amarel. I'm not sure if that's correct with how it's spelled, but that's my guess. Well, your character is pronounced however you want. So, Amarel, what's it feel like to be seeing these giant carved statues? They are a bit intimidating just because of the difference in art that I'm used to seeing. But also fascinating. I've never seen anything like it. I am just now kind of spreading my wings and seeing parts of the world I've not been before. And give us a description of what Amaril looks like. Amaril is a young adult elf. Um, she has some fiery red hair. And she is carrying a loot with her as she wanders the streets. Um ready to pluck a tune at a moment's notice. Very nice. And we move into the underground city. The first level that is basically the ground level, the outsider's ring, as they call it, because the floors lower are restricted to clans folk only. Brightly lit shops cut through the darkness. All sorts of wares are being bartered, mostly with dwarven shopkeeps, but a wide variety of ancestries are traveling through. We enter a shop, Jars of Clay, an alchemical supply shop ran by Mort Claiborne, who seems to be helping several customers at once. Oh, willow bark for the aches. That mentee will settle that lad's tum right up. And anything I could do for you, miss? He arches his eyebrow, taking in the uncommon sight of a catfolk, who seems to be well-versed in the alchemical arts, judging by the vials set about her person. No. <laughs> uh, just, just looking around at what you have. While you're looking around the store, this is all pretty basic stuff. Um, nothing that really jumps out to you as new or exciting alchemy. All right, miss. Well, if you see anything you need, just bring it on up. Or we'll let you know. And what does Thule look like? Thule is a catfolk. Uh, she's a hairless sphinx catfolk. Um, she wears like kind of like a little bit of a leather lab coat. Um, and she's like, you know, just kind of think of like humanoid sphinx cat. <laughs> Um, she's got a couple, like, little black spots, like, on her face and on her arms and legs, as well. Okay. And finally, as busy as most shops are, there's one that's really slow by comparison. The sign hanging over the iron door says, Gernhild's Technologies and Curiosities. And there's a conversation at least happening, at least, as we approach. Moving into the shop, we see an android meeting at the Dwarven shopkeeper, and she looks a little bit sad as we encroach on their conversation. I'm so sorry, Haven. I tried to get the bastards to give them up, but they said they could get a better price in a larger market, specifically Corvosa, Absalom, or even as far as Catapesh. I even tried just offering to pay for their room and board for a week so you could come back and see what they had found, but they left a few days ago, headed south. That is all right, ma'am. I'm certain other opportunities will arise in the future. Cassandra Lee always looks out for her chosen ones. Well, I'm, I'm glad you have that faith, my friend, but you're going to need money to get these things from them. And we pull in tight on... A wheel, like, as odd of a sight as an elf is, as odd a sight of a cat folk is, an android is also just a really odd sight. What does Haven look like? He stands about just under six feet in height. And but definitely much too thin for the height. So his, his height and weight ratio is kind of mismatched. He has on his face, on either side of his nose, two very light 
glowing blue tracings as well as darker tracings of a similar nature on his cheeks and forehead. His eyes are a solid azure. There's no pupils, no irises. His eyes are just one color. And hanging from his neck is the holy symbol of Cassandra Lee, um, which for those of you unfamiliar with her, she is the god of the androids. Um, she came about during the troubles up in Numeria. Uh, Numeria. Yes, Numeria. And is now referred to as the Iron Goddess. Now, other things that you notice is he's wearing kind of shabby robes. He has simple sandals covering what appear to be metallic feet and legs. Um, on his belt, there is a variety of tools. And one tool that really stands out because it looks like an ADHD gnome is the one who created it because it has many small working parts that come out and looks like they're various tools all in one. Okay. Now, as you all make your way into Janderhof, you're seeing some signs that are being posted in and around. They say 50 gold pieces for the return of Doglin Hammerstone. Be he alive or dead. Last seen on the road heading north. See Captain Bane Boulderbreaker at high time for further details. And high time here is there's a warmed stone that as the heat goes up it slightly bioluminesces and it'll hit that around noon and then it'll start cooling off as the day goes. This way they can tell time inside without expensive clockworks because clockworks are expensive. Now, Walter, the money isn't the important thing. You're just traveling about, but that's a puzzle. Hmm. Captain Boulderbreaker. Um, excuse me, excuse me. And he'll kind of flag somebody walking by. Um, hey. Do you know where I could find a, a Captain Boulderbreaker? See that big building that says Sheriff? Oh, yes, yes. Go there. All right. Well, thank you so much. So he'll uh, pull out a little journal and kind of take a few notes of uh, the details from the flyer. And, yeah, there's uh, a, a rough sketch of a, you know, bearded dwarf. Um, kind eyes. But other than that, it's it's just a charcoal scratch of a dwarf. And then, like, as the camera kind of pans from over his shoulder looking at the journal, you'll see him uh... He writes the word dead or alive, and then he'll kind of underline the dead portion and then close the journal and make his way over to the building that the local suggested. That's somewhat um, ominous. Amarill, um, that, that sounds like an adventure. It does indeed, and I am very intrigued, so I too will flag down a passerby. I I I forgot to hit push to talk. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> My apologies. I swear to God, she didn't just ask this person and space the fuck out. That was me <laughs> struggling with the technology. <laughs> no, no, I, I fully enjoyed the fact that. Okay. The same guy is going to be so annoyed that everybody's asking him. <laughs> like, I imagine she it's the same person. A, is it the same person or is it a different person, Mike? You you don't know. You didn't. You weren't I wasn't paying attention. attention. Fair enough. That Obviously. suits her very well. Okay, uh, beg your pardon, yes, I just wanted to get some directions. I'm very interested in this case. Where might I find a Captain Bane Boulderbreaker? Another one. He points. He doesn't say anything else, just points. Thank you so much, kind sir. And I will make my way to the sheriff's office. 
Swear to God, if one more person asks me about where the fucking sheriff's office is. Um, Tuli, seeing that sign, that, that's, that's money. 50 gold pieces. Quite a bit of funds. She looks at it rather enthused. Can you tell me about where I can find this guy? Oh, sweet son of a bitch. <laughs> Just points at the sheriff's office, like right there. I don't, what, did, did y'all don't look? Because no. three people in a row, just tap, tap, tap. Hey. Haven, you've been around here enough. You know where Captain Boulderbreaker's office is. Indeed. And as I start making my way there, because I'll need gold to help with my further studies, uh, I'll see George, who's known to be rather gruff and abrupt with strangers, to say, Hello, George. And just continue on by him straight towards the sheriff's office. Even for some reason, he just never is able to pronounce the H. Yeah. Now, all of you arrive at Captain Boulderbreakers just about high time, and there are quite a few people in this office. Um, mostly dwarves. You notice one other group of seemingly all humans muttering to themselves, sitting to the side. Um, the rest of that is all dwarves. And this dwarf rolls out from an office with a flurry of motion, looks around the room. All right, you lads, who's here as a group? A few hands go up, the humans included, and several dwarven groups. It's like, okay, good. Y'all can go. He was last seen by a small farming village two days north from here. They watched him go north. He was known to do this lap once a month or so, delivering Torag's blessings to the people. And since whatever got him was strong enough to get him, you, you gotta go to groups for liability reasons, because I'm not being sued because y'all went off all alone. This was a, a cleric who knew what he was doing. So go, oh, the DDS is here. He looks at a group of five dwarves that are all kitted out the same. They have medium armor, heavy crossbows, uh, shields, and pole arms. Yeah. Good luck to the rest of you. They're going to get the money. Um, but, alright. Go. Looks around at the remaining people. Some dwarves that are sitting around, and then the motley crew that is the android cat folk, mutton chops, and elf. And he points out, sees a group of four dwarves. Alright, you guys are a group, go. You guys are a group, go. And then swoops around with a last gesture. You all. You, you guys be a group and you, you heard what I told that lot, so if you go find him, or don't come back. Because there's no pay unless you get him. Am I understood? Oh. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, I do have a few questions, if you have time. Uh, okay. Um, do we have any um, of his personal belongings that he may have left here um, maybe in his office or uh, anything of that that we would have the ability to look at before we travel I, I don't think his family would appreciate you going through his stuff well it's it's merely for an investigation and, and maybe it would give us some insight into where he is or maybe if he took a detour on this route um it's, it's simply for business. I have no no pleasure in in rooting through somebody's well, somebody who's alive, uh, possibly rooting through their thing. He just kind of looks at you, just like um. Oh, I... uh, um, Professor uh, Finswick, uh, morticianist from uh, Irison, and he'll reach his hand out to introduce himself. 
I quite often root around in many people's things, uh, but typically it's after they've already passed. That sounds okay. And he just shakes your hand. I, I can send a message down to his family, but you guys wouldn't be able to go to his home. Y yeah, yeah. Just uh, to... Uh, maybe he has a small office at the, the church where he may work or anything like that. Uh, he spent most of his time on the road. Yeah, he traveled the majority of the time. He'd do a loop north, do a loop south, do a loop east. He wouldn't do a loop west because we don't go into the mountains unless we're going under the mountains. I mean, he would go under the mountain, but that's wasn't this loop. This was the northern loop. Um, and then Fensick will kind of turn around and and give like a half bow to the uh, rest of his newly formed crew um, that he was voluntold to join. Greetings, Sheriff. Haven. Now the only the only person that didn't get assigned a group is just this big hulking humanoid that has a war flail at their side just sitting there. And other than that, you guys are the last ones here. Everyone else got their marching orders and left. So it's just you guys, the sheriff, and then the other guy. Does he seem interested in our conversation? Is he paying attention, or is he kind of... He's off? just sitting there. Just looks like he's staring off into space. Okay. Um, how how soon do you do you think you would be able to hear from his family? Maybe uh, set up an interview before we go? I mean, y'all want to waste your time with that? That's fine. Uh, the DDS is going after him. You guys can waste whatever time you want. So how long until you could set up a potential interview with the family? And like, Fencewick will get a little more forward about that. I can see if anybody's available. If so, it'd take them about two hours to get up here. If not, then you're waiting on them. The Hammerstones are very respected family here. Hmm. And what you what say you lot? And he'll kind of gesture to the elf and cat folk. I believe we would be best served. And he would be best served if we did not wait for dubious information that could be provided by family members who may not have even seen him recently. And you? And he'll motion to the elf. Um, well, I think it might be best to get on the road quickly in the hopes that we can bring him back alive. Haven, since you're practically local, you can give me a society check if you'd like. Absolutely. Let me bring up the character sheet and see what my bonus is going to be. And then also during right. this, can I do my um, uh, on the case or pursue lead? Absolutely. You are now on the case. Doglin Hammerstone. Right. So, got a 16 on the die, a plus 4 for my society, so a total of 20. Um... Doglin has been a bit of a pariah from his family for a while because he opted to follow his brother's path. Uh, the missing but not forgotten Bo Shander Hammerstone. And whereas Bo Shander became an adventurer, um, he joined the Church of Torag and doesn't actually spend much time at home. He comes in, checks in with the church, and goes back out. Like, he does this loop, goes north, goes south, goes east, and then hits the tunnels, bringing the word of Torag to the surrounding villages and those who work in the mines. 
Okay. I will turn and look at the old human with us and say, and besides, he is a known traveler and a bit of a pariah within his family. I doubt they will know anything more than what the good sheriff does. And the professor will take a second. You can see him kind of ponder. And then he'll say, fair enough. Sometimes uh, a lack of information is information in itself. And so he'll take uh, a note in his journal and then say, well, on the road then? Indeed. I got your name, Sir Finswick, but what about the rest of this group? Haven raises an eyebrow, unnaturally high for a humanoid face, looks at the sheriff, slightly puzzled. And then he'll turn his head slowly back to the elf, and as the sheriff has already said my name, I guess this proves the actual non-infallibility of the elven race. My name is Haven. Priest of Cassandra Lee. My apologies. I've never met someone like you before. I was maybe a bit distracted by... You're just fascinating. Hmm. I've heard that before, but where my kind are from were actually fairly populous. Not as much as humanity is, but nonetheless. And, uh, I believe that the cat folk was coming with us as well. Yeah! My name's Thule. Nice to meet everyone. Nice to meet you, Thule. Professor Renata's head towards you. There. Introductions are out of the way. Shall we proceed? The sooner the better. Would we want to see if that quite large being over there would like to join us? Certainly wouldn't hurt to ask. Do I know who he is? You do not. You've just recently got back to town um, from checking the mountains, and apparently they hit the cache that you were looking for that Kernhild had told you about. Um, You've not seen this individual before. And Sheriff's still standing there, and he's like, yeah, good luck. The thing showed up, walks in it open, leaves and sits outside a close, and then hasn't said a word. We just started calling him the silent. Hmm. The professor will walk over to him. Um, excuse me, sir. Doesn't move. Uh, we noticed you were, uh, seemed fit for adventuring, and we have a, a bit of a case on our hands. You are more than welcome to join us if you would like. I'm sure we will split any profits between the five of us, uh, if that is something that interests you, or if you want to do it out of good spirit, be my guest. But we are hitting the road now if you would like to join. And Professor Fenswick will pause a second to see if he responds. No response, no movement. But now that everybody's staring at this thing, everybody give me a perception check. Oof. Uh, That's going to be a total of an 11 from the old professor. Okay. Uh, Hey, got my 25. And... Haven got a 23. 25, 23. Tuli, you making one? Trying to figure out how to do it. I can't find perception on here. Um, It's going to be on your 
on any tab, it's going to oh, be... I found it. Yep. <laughs> it's going to take me a minute, too, because it's been a while since I've played Pathfinder in Foundry. It's just fine. If you want to use dice at the table, you're more than welcome to. I mean, that would be heading up to get mine, and I feel lazy right now. Then that's fine. <laughs> I just All right. So you, what'd you get? <laughs> um, I got a night. Uh, you cut out there. I let go of the button, sorry. Um, I got a 19, and I think I have a plus 2 to okay, that. 21 total. Alright. Those of you who got higher than a 20, notice that the eyes underneath the helmet are glowing red. Hmm. What does that mean? And that is what he looks like. Very Completely encased in armor with just red eyes. Okay, Ooh, as a player, this reminds eyes. me of Al- as a human player, not my character. <clears throat> this reminds me of Alphonse Elric. I was gonna go with uh, the hero from Skyrim. I haven't played Skyrim. Yeah, yeah, it does look like the hero from Skyrim. Oh, good. You're awake. Who's awake? (laughs) But yeah, glowing red eyes. The professor's going to turn from him, kind of give a shrug to the group and start to proceed out the door. Can I do detect magic, or is that helpful? You can absolutely try to detect magic. How do I do that in Foundry? Oh, you don't just say you're doing it, because okay, it's I'm not doing like there's it. an effect. Okay, you I'm doing it. Ask detect magic. The There's no presence of magic that you are aware of. Okay. Well, I believe he is not interested. Shall we get a move on? Indeed, it does seem that he is not interested. I say let's get going. Over going. Haven will matter-of-factly walk out the door. Okay. I will follow. Guys, get on the road heading north. Yes. Yep. You're traveling. Just trudging along quietly, it seems. So, what brought you all to Yanderhof? I live there. Just happen to be passing through. Oh, and I guess I'm just reminiscing on some old memories. And what what brings you to Janderhof? Curiosity, looking for adventure and stories. Well, it seems you may have found it. Yes, I'm very excited to be taking on this journey with all three with the three of you. And and you said you live here. What what exactly do you do for work in them? I heal the sick and try to ease the diplomatic relations between organic and synthetic peoples. Does that seem to be a challenging feat thus far? As I am one of the few synthetics, it's far easier than I anticipated. Well, good on you then. I see you don't lack confidence. At this point, 
I walk. You, 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 sorry, God. I walk with the knowledge that Cassandra Lee watches over me. Can I do a religion check on Cassandra Lee? Absolutely, you can. That's a. May I as well? Absolutely. Can I? It's a whole it, absolutely. twelve. Absolutely, a whole twelve. She is a god, newer one, but that's all you know. I've heard ramblings of her. I will do it as soon as I figure out where the hell it is <laughs> on my character sheet. Um, <laughs> the proficiencies tab, which is the one that should have just lit up. I'm not sure if that's working for me to do it. It does. It did. I didn't Perfect. see it. Oh, I found it. It's a little hand there on the character sheet. Like I said, it's been a minute since I've played this system in Foundry. You're fine. Uh, Tuli, same thing. New, newer god came about 10-15 years ago after some odd thing that happened up in Numeria. You... In your travels, you heard a little bit more than Professor, but not much. You just some god that came to be out that way. Gotcha. I got 14. 14? Yep, you're you're along the same lines. New god. Um, did we know how long uh, this route was that he took? Like how many days of travel this was going to be? Two days. Yep, two he days. said that it was two days north from... Janderhoff. Okay. And as we continue along, I will ask Finswick, so you said you were reminiscing. Were you from Janderhoff? Uh, no. Uh, my father brought me here as a child. Um, a few times. A handful. Uh, and it was just always fascinating. Um, he's recently passed, and... I thought, eh, to honor him, I guess. I, I'd come back and visit and see, see how I've changed and see how it's changed. I'm sorry to hear of your loss. I appreciate that. So where are you originally from? Do we say it was Amarel? She, nobody has actually asked her her name yet. Oh, she hasn't. <laughs> I got, you guys talked about it, so. Yep. Uh, and, and and I don't believe I caught your name. My apologies. My name is Amaril Elmar. <laughs> there, we fixed it, Mike. Okay, shut up. I Ugh. didn't intend for this character to be ADHD, but it's happening anyway. <laughs> Love it. How my character was going to be that way. Everybody can be that way. I mean, we're all... I, this this entire group is uh, definitely neurospicy, it seems. Neurospicy? <laughs> I intend for my other character for the Starfinder part to be, but not this one. Oops. So, Miss Amaril, where do you rain from? And he pressed the button. No, her player forgot the name of the city. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot the name of the That's city. Ah, yes. Well, I've heard notes. of its beauties and its wonder. I was pulling up my notes. So, um, I hail from... Green Gold. You hail Green from Gold. Green Gold. Thank you. I had to switch back to the tab. I hail from Green Gold. Green Gold. Would I know anything about that? Just commonly or would that be a check of some sort? Uh, society check. Just to see how much It's, it's just getting worse. I'm back to my dice and it's so great. Um, that would be a nine. Nine? It's the second largest city in Kionin, but other than that, you don't really know much about it. You, you know it's elf territory. Which makes sense for an elf to be from elf territory. Right, right. And he must feel so smart. He's like, yeah, an elf's from there. That's great. So, yeah. 
You're, you're an academic, so you, these common things aren't... <laughs> yeah, and this dice rolling isn't really my forte. Ugh. I love so far with these knowledge rolls you've gotten, that's a god, and yeah, that's an elf city. <laughs> yeah, and I've also gotten a three and a seven, so it's it's going well. I'm here for it. I mean, I blame the player, not the dice. Yeah, I do too. Ooh. It's 100% my fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, are there any, do we have like any stops that we know of on the way? Any points of interest uh, prior to reaching the no, small farming village is all we were told, right? Yep, that's the first farming village outside of Janderhof, just okay. because it's a very mountainous region. It takes a couple of days to get to where you can actually farm the land. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really have a name. Its main purpose is just to supply food to Janderhof. Um, that's why when he said small farming village, it's, it's just an unnamed little village. Um, so no, no real landmarks or anything to check off as you're going, but you do have exploration actions if you feel like you need to take them. Well, I but reckon I will do the... Exploration walk. actions will slow you down. Because for some reason, they all lower your uh, speed by half. Yeah, something. Something like that. Uh, all those are just effects. Well, are we wanting to do exploration stuff, or do we just want to try to make haste and get to the town? I want to try and get there. Okay. Well, then we will just... I believe speed is of the essence. So I guess then do we want to hustle and go fast with some fatigue on the line? Or we no. just want to move at our normal pace? I like it normal pace because no, I want to be well fine. rested in case things go down. <laughs> That's always a good good idea. <laughs> so you guys get a good march. You actually pass the the group he kept calling the DDS. They don't move very fast. Little guys. I mean they're they're heavily armed and armored. Haven, what do you know about that group, that DDS group? They are a group of dwarven adventurers, though I haven't spent as much time in towns as to learn. But let me search my databanks to see if there's anything I heard. Society check. Unlike Dustin, my dice are loving me tonight, and I am definitely buying another set of Norse Foundry dice. Um, uh, until we, they start sponsoring are, me and I get this shit for free, we're not plugging them. I'm sorry. I, I'm plugging them so we can try and get sponsored, man. <laughs> I do like Norse Foundries. We'll see them at Gen Con. We will. <laughs> and I will buy more of their amazing dice. Or Gen right. Con is past. I don't even know. We're, we're Gen uh, Con. It's either upcoming or it's past. Either or. <laughs> Us currently, mention. it is upcoming, but we don't know when this will go live. Right. Who knows? That's but. All right. So with an eighteen on that Norse Foundry die, I have a total of twenty-two. Um, they are a mercenary company known as the Dwarven Death Squad. They are ruthless. There's actually about twenty of them total. They only sent five for this mission, but they all do the same tactics. Um, their typical formation is to start a shield wall, have crossbowmen behind them, launch, and then just rotate backwards. If something comes into melee, then the crossbowmen drop and pull their pole arms out and stay behind the shield wall. They are ruthlessly effective. So Haven's eyes kind of twitch side to side as if he's reading something and he says, ah, yes, I did hear something. They are dwarven soldiers who specialize in the shield wall and are particularly 
violent, and effective. And just how much detail do you go into their tactics? Um, I'll go ahead and give the full explanation as I know it. All right. That takes up a good couple of hours as... Holy shit. He just doesn't seem to need to breathe. Just keeps, like, has talked about some exploits, um, how a tunnel breach underneath Janderhoff happened, and they're the ones who sealed it single-handedly um, without losing a single... Listens to every word with rapt attention, like she is taking everything in. And as you can see now, we've gotten to a point where you guys set up camp. Um, this looks like a well-traveled rest spot. Um, the fire pit was there. There's that tree that's fallen next to the fire pit. Is worn from people using it as a bench. So this is this is a normal spot for people to rest up. Would anybody like to uh, keep watch overnight, or do you feel comfortable with all of us sleeping? That would be not very wise. While this is a well-patrolled region there is still the off chance of either some monsters coming down out of the mine spin or bandits who are looking for an opportunity to catch travelers unawares. I shall volunteer to take the last watch. Fine by me. And I will take whatever watch uh, anyone would like me to. I'll take first watch. Alright, then I will take a nap. And I'll be up for third watch. I usually have to wake early in the morning anyways. Well, I get second watch. Understood. Good, now I know who to wake up. <laughs> that begins begin to settle down when coming out from the side that those four humanoids look from the the four humanoids that had left first come out. Oh, you, you guys don't have to worry about watching. We're here to take care of you. Um, can we Lazy do... kind of go back. I don't know about that. And with that, we roll for initiative. Son of a bitch. Ruh here, here we go. Hold hey. Die is loving me. Hey, my dice finally worked. Yay! What'd you 20. get? Yep, you're at a twenty. Coolie's following in at a five. Yeah, I got a twenty-three. <laughs> a twenty-three. The professor got a twenty-six. Oh. Oh. That old natty nineteen. Very nice. Very nice. Look at that. The dice don't work for unnecessary things, but it will work. Use my physical dice. I don't trust the computer dice anymore. And with that, we go into the first encounter of the quest of Stone and Stars. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. First up is Professor Walter Fenswick. Um, Professor will look. Uh, is there, like, an obvious leader out of these four? Like, the guy that did the talking, or... The guy that did the talking was this one. Okay, is there one that's, like, obviously one in charge, or just him? The one to... 
the you're looking for the biggest one? Uh, just typically you have somebody that stands out from the rest. So I don't know if there's anything like that. Well, there's three males, one female. Uh, the big one would be the third one in the row. Uh, he's got the best arms and armor, it looks like. These two do. And these two are look lightly armed and armored. Alright, so the professor is going to devise a stratagem against the big guy. The, the biggest of the group. First so, action, devise stratagem. So forgive me when I as I learn this new character I have never played. So I roll a d20. Yep. Creature I can see. Yep, so roll 13. it. 13. 13. Alright, you can substitute your first attack made this round. And add my intel mod, right? Yep, you'll add your intel mod plus your training rather than strength or dex. So it'll be 13 plus, you know, if you whatever your bonus is plus your intelligence modifier. So... Alrighty. Um, and then he will also draw out his short bow. Okay. Now that is not an agile weapon, so will not. You'll have right. to just roll this one, but that's fine. And then he will take a shot at said at the guy that was running his mouth. Right. Um, so let's see the old short bow. Let's see what we can do. Another thirteen, so that'll be a nineteen total to hit. A nineteen total will hit. What's that right. damage? That is a one d six. So that will be two points of damage as he sticks an arrow in his shoulder. Two points of damage, and that his three actions. We go to Haven. Haven will calmly, emotionlessly turn to look at the people who are threatening him and his erstwhile allies. And he grabs hold of that blue holy symbol that hangs from his neck. And as he begins speaking, the gold lines that are etched into it all begin to glow and he says, they, ooh, where'd that, what the heck? Sorry, uh, when I said it to roll, <laughs> to get their initiative, it didn't actually roll their initiative. Uh, but we're going to bump him down anyway. All right. So, as I was saying, he speaks out. May the light of Cassandra Lee guide you. And he casts a bless spell. And let me place my emanation. It starts there. So um, the only one affected by it right now, besides myself, is going to be the professor. Yep. And that was two actions. And for my last action, I then uh, speak once more and say, Cassandra Lee, guard me. And shield comes up around me. All right. Well, okay. I just want to throw props out to the guys who are doing the Pathfinder Two system, because those icons for the spell effects are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, they're they're doing some good work. Uh, we're playing on Foundry, so if you play online, Foundry's the way to do it. No, for Pathfinder no subscriptions. Two, no subscriptions. People work hard on the mods, and uh, they're they're not sponsoring us either. But I like them enough that I will shout them out. And that's your turn. We go to this person now. Seeing you cast that, I didn't like that. She ruffles around her bag, pulls out a vial. And throws it 
Hmm. No bueno. A bottle of lightning, even. Oof. Right? Totally. I would say the hair stands up on the back of your neck, but there is none. Um, but you see alchemical stuff. And so we roll my first strike of the show. And I think I might switch to Foundry. As <laughs> not only did I miss. Oof. Oof. <laughs> oof. Did you roll a one? I did roll a one. And I am well, using yeah. the fun. Fun, fun, fun. Um, fumble deck. Critical Fumble Deck, made by our good friends at Paizo. And the very first fumble of the game, since this is an alchemical effect, I'm putting it under spell effect because it's... They don't really have... Bomb misspells. Would that... Would you it say falls that under... It's bomb and uh, spells. They okay, fall so in the same category, yeah. Okay, they do. I got the first printing, so they didn't adjust that. So it says, Klatu Verata Necktie. <laughs> Where I will be pulling uh, another card. Well, no, it's just critically hit your ally. I'll roll to see if it's a 20 or not. It is not a 20. So I've got well, three remember, allies. If you, if you hit it by 10 or more... It's uh, critical. it's automatically a critical hit. I'm just oh. not pulling a card for it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so she pulls out the bottle, fumbles it, drops it right next to her, and it explodes, hitting her for one point of splash damage. That arrow must have lodged in her shoulder a little bit. Hitting him for one point of splash damage. And this dude's taking ten points of damage oh, off which, of the 2d6. Which Oof. dude took the ten? The, the big guy or the mouthy the, one? The big guy. Oh. Yep. He took ten and it splashed into her and the farther guy, the robed figure. And he is now flat-footed until the start of his next turn, or the ne start of her next turn. So let me add that. That was her first action. Oh, and duh. as that happens, he, or uh, Haven says, I see Cassandra Lee is already showing you the error of your ways. I'll show you an error. Yes. We'll spend that. Looks at what she has. And pulls out a a shovel and steps up there, and that is all she can do. As my dice decided to love me. Oh so hard. Well, this individual has a sap out, and he spends his first action moving up. Second action, he's going to sap Haven. All right. Does a 21 hit Haven? It does. Four. Eight points of bludgeoning damage. And then the second strike on Haven. I don't think eight nine is going to hit Haven. No. Yeah. So that's his turn. As came in non-lethally, at least. All right. MRL. Okay. 
So we get three actions in this system, right? Yes. And moving counts as one of those actions? Yes. It is a oh. stride action. Hey. I'm going to move a little bit more to the middle of our group here. And then I'm going to rally my friends with my infectious enthusiasm. Come on, new comrades. We can take these jokes. I lost my, uh, towards the end there. And we're going to do this spell. How do I cast in this game? I don't remember. But it's a two-action spell. Well, you go to your so, spell casting. Which I'm on. And what spell are you casting? Infectious Enthusiasm. There's the cast oh. button. Yeah, click the cast button. And that is everyone. Do you gain a plus one status bonus to your choice of attack rolls, will saves, or charisma based checks? And allies can take a single action, which has the cons concentrate trait to gain the same bonus you chose until the start of your next turn. So, what bonus are you taking? Da uh, attack rolls, will saves, or charisma-based skill checks? Do I pick? Yeah, or you pick. I pick. We're going to go with the uh, attack rolls. Okay. So then you gain that spell effect. Everyone else has to spend an action to gain that spell effect on their turn. And the way that you can add it to your character sheet, guys, is you just, that little box there that says spell effect, you can just drag it right onto your character sheet. But don't yep. do it yet. And I, I can do it now, though. Yes, you do it now. <clears throat> Everyone else has to spend an action with the concentrate trait to do it. But everyone has that option. So you are perfectly fine with that. And I'll go ahead and... I added it to you. Oh, okay, because I was trying to do it and struggling. No worries. I'm, I'm, every time you guys are casting one of those spells, I'm adding it to my macros so that I can make sure that everyone stays right. And that is your three actions. She did and step into the range of my bless. Yes, she did. I will give her that. And as we go to this gentleman who took a point of splash damage, who's readying his crossbow, the world fades to black as we'll pick this up next time. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> hey, I get to say it this time. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> how's it? How's it feel to be disappointed that the the time is over? Um, I've gotten quite used to it, so I don't think it bothers me as much as it'll bother other folks. Well, that's fair. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Check out our amazing partner with Poppet's Coffee. Um, all of the maps that will be used will be uploaded. So the first one will be uploaded when this episode airs through our Patreon, Knights of the Smith Dinner Table. Um, check us out on our, our socials. And, and that will be at our $5 tier. Also at our $5 tier, um, you will get the opportunity to create your own critical hit or fumble. So that oh. way we can create our own oh. tables. Yes. Do that. You will get shouted out when I inevitably screw myself out of this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks once again for what? Or not watching. This is just listening. a podcast. Thanks yes. for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time on quest of the stone and stars oh you said it right too man this is this is good right i like it <laughs> bye everybody bye everybody bye. bye 
Quest of the Stone and Stars actual play podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Quest of the Stone and Stars is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Incorporated and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. The bumper music was created by The Simulacri. All other music, ambience, and sound effects created by Monument Studios. Knights of the Smith Dinner Table, Quest of the Stone and Stars, and all associated logos are property of Knightsmith Games, LLC.